0: chapter thirty six of the glory of the conquered by susan glaspell this is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot org reading by matt Burrard. chapter thirty six with the outgoing tide he simply took her into the room and there was carl alive that was all she grasped at first it filled her so completely she could take in nothing else. He was lying there, seemingly half asleep, looking much as he always did, save that, of course, it was plain he was very sick. She stooped down and kissed him, and his face lighted up, and he smiled a little. Ernestine, he murmured, "'did they frighten you?' It was as she had known. His thought was of her, and oh, how sorry Carl would be when he was quite well and she told him all. She nestled her head close to him, her arm thrown about him. The tears were running down her cheeks. Of the blessedness of finding Carl here, breathing, smiling upon her, sorry she had been frightened. She took his hand and it responded to her clasp. That thrilled her through and through. Those awful fears, those never-to-be-forgotten fears, that Carl's hand might never close over hers again she leaned over him that she might feel his breath upon her face in all her life there had never been so blessed a joy as this feeling carl's breath upon her cheek nothing mattered now work eyes nothing she had him back she asked nothing more of life what could anything else matter now that those awful fears had drawn away she was sobbing quietly to herself again his hand closed over hers then something made her look up and at the foot of the bed she saw dr parkman one look at his face and she grew cold from head to foot her throat grew painfully tight strange things came before her eyes she could not move she simply remained there upon her knees looking at dr parkman's face her own frozen with terror the doctor came to her took her hands and helped her to rise. Two nurses and another doctor were bending over Carl, doing something. Doctor Hartmann led Ernestine into an adjoining room. She did not take her eyes from his face. The appeal, terror in them, seemed to strike him dumb. It was as though his own throat were closed. For several times he tried vainly to speak. Ernestine, he said at last, Carl is very sick. How? Sing, she managed to whisper. How sing, she repeated as he stood there looking at her helplessly. And finally, he said, as if it were killing him to do it. So sing that. Don't say that, she fairly hissed it at him. Don't dare say that. You did it. You. And then, sinking down beside him, catching hold of his hand, she sobbed out. Well, heartbreakingly, oh doctor Parkman, oh please please tell me you will save Carl. Her sobs were becoming uncontrollable. Ernestine, he said sharply, be quiet, be quiet. You have got to help. The sobs stopped. She rose to her feet. He pulled up a chair for her, but she did not sit down. A few sobs still came, but her face was becoming stern, set tell me she said holding her two hands tight against her breast and looking him straight in the face and then he jerked it out karl had been taken ill pain fever he feared appendicitis. he had two other doctors see him they agreed that he must be operated on immediately they brought him here they found conditions awful they did all that surgery could do every known thing was being done now but they did not know he had rallied a little from the operation now he seemed to be drooping. he was in bad shape generally heart breathing by the shock of his blindness intestines broken down by lack of exercise whole system affected by changed conditions all these things combined against him he told the short story with his own lips white, swaying a little seeming fairly to age as he stood there her face had been changing as she listened he had never seen a human face look as hers did then he had never heard a human voice sound as hers sounded when she said dr parkman you are mistaken she looked him straight in the eye a look which held the whole force of her being i say you are mistaken we will go back in here now to carl you and i together are going to save him there was the light from the higher worlds in her eye as she went back in her voice a force which men have never named or understood and something which emanated from her took hold of every one who came into that room there was more than the resources of medical science at work now on her knees beside the bed her arm about him passionately shielding him from the dark forces around him her face often touching his as if reassuring him ernestine spoke to karl quietly tenderly forcefully love's own intuition telling her how much to say when to speak by her warm body which loved him by her great spirit which claimed him she would hold him from the outgoing tide her voice could rouse him where other stimulants failed the only effort he made was the tightening of his hand over hers sometimes he smiled a little as he felt her close to him two hours went by the lines in dr parkman's face were deepening they worked on unfalteringly hypodermics heat rubbing oxygen all those things with which man seeks to deceive himself and for which the foe with the tolerance of power is willing to wait but their faces were changing the call of the outgoing tide that tide over which human determination has not learned to prevail was coming close they worked on for they were trained to work on even through the sense of their own futility looking about her ernestine saw it all and held him with a passionate protectiveness if all else failed her arms arms to which he had ever come for help and consolation could surely hold him the cold fear crept farther and farther into her heart, and as it crept on, her arms about him tightened. Not while she held him like this. Oh, not while she held him like this. And then a frenzy possessed her, that she should sit here powerless, weeping, despairing, surrendering, while Karl slipped from her. She must do something, say something, something to hold him firm, call him back make him understand that he must fight Suddenly, a light broke over her face she looked at dr parkman who was bending over karl i will tell him she whispered what i did the secret about the work he hesitated medically his judgment was against it and then went to the lips with a horror of the admission he faced the fact that this had passed beyond things medical let her try where he had failed through a rush of uncontrollable tears he nodded yes and she did tell him in words which were not sentences with sharp flashes of thought such flashes as alone could penetrate the semi-consciousness into which she must reach after a moment of pause in which to gather herself together for the great battle of her life with concentration illumination with a piercing eloquence which brought hot tears to every cheek and deep deep prayers to hearts which would have said they did not know how to pray a woman fighting for the man she loved human love at its whitest heat pitted against destiny she told him carl at the last you understand that's the great secret that's the great picture i've not painted one stroke this winter i've been working for you working in your laboratory every day studying day and night getting ready to be your eyes going to give you back your work. oh car car won't you but the sobs could hold back no longer she had reached him he took it in just a little at first but comprehension was growing and upon his face a great wondering a softening old man it was dr parkman now you get that see what you've got ahead good god man but it was blended she came to me with the idea her idea thought it all out herself carl was not happy carl must have his work. carl carl it was nothing but carl she was closer to him than any in the world she could make him see what others could not then she would be his eyes man do you know that this woman has fairly made over her soul for love of you do you know that she has given up becoming one of the great painters of the world to become your assistant do you get it karl so help me god it was the pluckiest fight i've ever seen or heard of and she's won i'm no fool and i say she can do what she says she can she's ready she's ready to begin to-morrow what do you say old man what do you think of ernestine now isn't she worth taking a good brace and living for and then he got it all he was taking it in rising to it understanding loving. and a look that was very wonderful was grown upon Carl's face ernestine he whispered dwelling long upon the name his voice a voice of wonder you did that for me i did it because i love you so she whispered it had seemed that surely death itself could not withstand the tenderness of it and then his whole face became transfigured his blind eyes were opened to the light of love. his illumined face reflected it as the supreme moment of his life in that moment he triumphed over all powers set against him he rose out of suffering on wings of glory he transcended sorrow and tragedy. blindness. Yes, in that moment. Death. He saw behind the veil. He saw into the glory of a soul. He comprehended the wonder of love. Compensation for suffering and loss. Understanding. Victory. Peace. It was the human face lighted with divine light. They did not dare to move or breathe as they looked down upon the wonder of his face. Ernestine little one he whispered the light not going from his face you love me like that you see karl it was this must reach him what you have to live for now but he did not get that he was filled with the wonder of that which he was seeing you see old man said parkman sharply what you've got ahead of you but he only murmured happily faintly as one about to fall asleep she loved me like that it terrified her it seemed not as though the great idea were holding him but as though he were taking it away with him even as though well content to go having this to take with him from life carl carl she sobbed don't you see how i love you don't you see you must live now for me but he had far transcended all senses of suffering or loss, even her suffering and loss. Her plea. She herself, but not reaching. He and the great idea were going away together, and that light did not leave his face. It was so that he sank into a sleep. He did not hear Ernestine's sobs. He knew nothing of her pleading cries. In a frenzy of grief, she felt him, going out to where she could not reach him she called to him and he did not answer she pressed close to him and he did not know that she was there but the great idea was with him it lighted his face to the last it was as if that were what he was taking with him from life it was as if that and that alone he could keep karl karl she cried terrorized look at me speak to me i am here ernestine is here and then the strongest word of woman to man i am frightened oh take care of me karl take care of me dr parkman tried to take her away but she resisted fiercely and they let her stay and during the few hours which followed she never ceased her pleading to him to come back to her to them to help crazed with the consciousness of his slipping from her wild beyond all reason with the thought that her kisses could not move him her arms could not hold him her passion lashed to the uttermost in the thought that she must claim him now or lose him forever. she pleaded with all the eloquence of human voice and human tears she could not believe it that he was there beside her and would not listen to her pleadings again and again she told him that she was frightened and alone. That, surely that, he must hear. It could not be that he was there beside her, breathing, moving a little now and then, and did not hear her call for help. And when at last she heard someone speak a low word and saw someone bend over him to close his eyes, she uttered one piercing, heartbreaking cry which they would bear with them so long as they lived, and then, throwing herself upon him, shielding him, keeping him, there came the wild, futile call of life to death. Karl, Karl, Karl. End of chapter 36 End of part 2